We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready to unlock your true potential and take your personal and professional growth to new heights? Then listen up, you guys. I want to tell you about The Huddle. This is my newest exclusive way for you to work with me in a group format for you to get mentorship and coaching every single week. Think about what a huddle is. When you're on a team of people, you get together, you put your heads together, you strategize and game plan for what's going on in your personal and professional lives. And that's what we're going to be doing every single week together on a 60-minute Q&A style coaching and mentorship call. This is your opportunity to get access to me and get my hot takes, opinion, and advice on how you can continue to up-level in your life and business. The other thing about this program is that you're going to be surrounded by like-minded individuals just like you as we come together to network, create change, and propel our lives forward with the huddle. So if you want to join me every single week for a place for you to get and propel your life to the next level, then go to torygordon.com slash huddle or click on the link in any of our social media bios. Sign up for the huddle today. I'll see you guys this week in the huddle. So we got a an epic episode today. Mm-hmm. We've got Tori in the house mm-hmm. yes, we here do. to share some wisdom, share her journey, mm-hmm. share some magic. Mm-hmm. And I've been really excited about this, you know, and 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 as we as we kick this thing off, you know, we're always wondering, you know, what should we drop into? What should we yeah. evaluate? You know, how should we approach this from a conceptual yeah. you know, state? But just in our initial conversations, we're like, all right, this is going to take a turn. <laughs> let's, let's let's throw the book out on this episode. Yeah. Let's 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 just go into the juiciness that presented itself, and um, I'm really excited about that. I know Ryan sure as hell is, but uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you here, Tori. So thank you yeah. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for creating a space where anything goes, <laughs> um, because. These are definitely topics that I think are uh, are really important and somewhat taboo and but powerful um, medicine for people if they're willing to like go there with themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm about is exploring the parts that seem a little scary, icky, and you know, unclear, yes. uncertain, uncharted waters. And like, can I be bold enough to 
to like wade out into those waters and see what's out there. Yeah. Speaking of bringing the medicine forward, can you just share with the the listeners a little bit about you and the specific medicine that you bring forward into the world? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am a high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. I speak, I run a podcast. Um, Similar to you guys, I I wear a lot of hats and do a lot of Mm -hmm. things. I'm multi-passionate. But my journey into this work of self-healing and transformation started as a byproduct of needing the medicine myself, Mm. like so many of us. Um, I was um, really lost for a long time, living a life that I thought I was supposed to live and pursuing things that looked good and um, got a lot of praise and admiration and, and recognition, but felt hollow and empty. Um, and as a byproduct of actually some loss in my life, there was a big reevaluation of what was really important and meaningful to me and how I spent my time and energy. Um, yeah. And it led me down a path of self-exploration of asking the question, who am I? What do I want? And how do I ultimately get what I want? Mm-hmm. Um, And so what I do with people is is help them kind of explore those same questions for themselves and look at where they are, where they want to be. And ultimately, we get to unpack what's in the way of that. And that might be practical. It might be subconscious beliefs. It might be, um, yeah, unconscious limitations that they're carrying around in their their psyche, unprocessed trauma. judgment, fear of many kinds. And and so as I continue to do the work on myself and add tools to my toolbox, if you will, of things that help me liberate the stuck parts of myself, I then turn around and try to teach those to other people. Mm-hmm. So it's an ever-evolving journey. Um, so the work that I do now is, um, you know, is a byproduct of kind of where I am um, personally as well. Yeah. I love that. I love that you bring up it's ever evolving. Yeah. And so often people get like roles and titles, even in spaces like this mm-hmm. that are spiritual spaces or healing spaces where we know it's ever growing. But then we're like, oh, no, this is who I am. And this is exactly yeah. what I do. But I love that you're bringing up that student side of it. Like, this is what I do right now. And I'm continuing to grow and I serve deeper as you grow more. And that's so beautiful to own, mm. like that humility in it of that growth. Yeah. So thank you for being honest with yeah. that and expanding on that answer too and bringing your own experiences into it. Yeah. So I just feel like this title. Yeah, more than anything, I'm, you know, I have so many titles like we all do, yeah. but um, I'm a student, mm. you know, of life and um, I'm here to learn. I think we're all here to learn some things mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and remember more than anything, the things that I've forgotten about who I am and where I come from and um, my origin, my true nature. And so that journey is the one that I continue to walk, you know, every single day. And um, yeah, the path, the path uh, continues to look different, but I'm happy it's led me here. So it's a good, good, good place. Good place to be. Hollow bone student. So I'm, I'm curious about, about the student mentality because yeah. that's, that's something that, you know, I think is, is paramount in transformation. Like we, we need that. Mm-hmm. And it's also something that's very 
it's very challenging to adopt that mentality for a lot of people because you know the last thing most people want to do is realize that we don't really know what's going on <laughs> right and right. and so i'm i'm curious just for to go right into that you know how did you adopt a student mentality and and, and really how did you embody it because it's one thing to say you're a student it's another thing to you know be coachable mm. like you you know you 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 speak about on your podcast so yeah much. I think it requires humility, right? It requires a willingness to say, I don't know it all Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to learn. And, um, you know, one of the things I have kind of, I cling to in my life is like, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm typically in the wrong room. Um, Not because I can't learn from somebody uh, that, you know, is, not as far along than me or whatever, but like there's always something I can learn. And that's kind of my process for when I walk into any room or situation. It's like, what am I willing to see this from a new perspective? Is there something I, uh, I always assume there's something I, I don't know. And um, it's in the exploration of that and the willingness to say, even if I do this well, I want to learn how to do it better, right? Even if I think I'm a good communicator, mm-hmm. I'm humble enough to say there, there are ways in which I can continue to sharpen that iron, right? And like, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I really believe that like the people in my life are mirrors to show me where I get to grow and where I've hit my, um, kind of my edges. So the things that, trigger me, the things that piss me off, the things that like anger me, show me my capacity to to love. Mm-hmm. And so I use that as kind of my teacher as much as, you know, everybody, every interaction. It's, it's the epitome of like having a growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to just thinking there's one way to do things or one way to be. Um, it's always like, I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I love, I really love that. And I appreciate the realness that you hold in yourself and that like student mindset you're talking about. And I know this firsthand because we had dinner last night. We're all just connecting yeah. as human beings. A lot of us came together, a lot of people that are high performers, business owners, podcast owners, just being able to have that humanness, like silly conversations and banter and mm-hmm. also then dropping into really deep philosophical conversations around different things. But the humanness that you carry, mm. even though you have major, massive successes and you continue to grow as a businesswoman and all of these many different things, these accolades, the humanness that you hold mm. is beautiful. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because, you know, you're saying these words but as a listener, you could be like, oh, OK, is that yeah. true? I've seen it, I felt it, and I know it. And it's so cool to experience because you know somebody Mm. in a heartbeat whenever they truly open up. Yeah. And so I've felt you even just in that dinner last night that we all shared. It's yeah, it's pretty beautiful to witness. Thank you. I think one of my superpowers is my curiosity for life. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, it's it's interesting when I think about being a kid. Um, I was always like asking my parents, like just the craziest questions, like, mom, where, where, where does sun like, or sand come from? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is sand? And she's yeah. like, ask your dad, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And my dad would be like, go read a book or go Google yeah, it. And the what they taught me was how to be resourceful. And if there were yeah. questions that I had, like that there was an answer, but they taught me how to 
go find it instead mm. of always giving me that answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that curiosity for life and understanding who I am and mm. where I fit in the world and what my part is to play in this cosmic, you know, play that's kind of playing out before all of us, that has always been the underlying thing, um, like thread that is part of every piece of my life is just this hunger to understand um, mm. and ask why and mm. why do I do what I do? Why mm. why does this make me feel this way? Why am I drawn to these these people or these things? And so I just continually chase like that that answer and that uh, that curiosity for life and what inspires me. And it's, it's led me to some pretty cool places, but it continues to require me to um, learn, learn new things about myself. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you find that asking all those questions can sometimes be paralyzing? Mm-hmm. Because it always feels like there's somewhat of a destination you're never reaching on some mm-hmm. level. But um, yeah, I think it, it feeds a hunger within me, but I've had to also come to terms with not always having an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, there were times in my life where I had big questions that were hard hitting that like I grew up uh, in the Bible Belt, right? Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, so there were a lot of of beliefs and ideologies that I was sort of indoctrinated into and deeply conditioned to believe and. And sometimes my life experience challenged those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And and so when they came to a head and I was asking these deep questions, there were times I didn't have an answer. Um, you, know, you go through loss, you think you see unspeakable things, you you watch loved ones pass away, you you experience trauma and tragedy, and you're you ask questions like, Where is where is God in this? Mm-hmm. When I pray, do you hear me? Mm-hmm. You know. Um and there are times when you sit with that that question and there isn't an immediate answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I've also had to become okay with living in the unknown. Um, and what I've found is that when it's useful for me, I get to create, I get to define the meaning behind um, whatever experience I'm having, mm-hmm. if there's a question I have and I don't know the answer to it, um, I get to decide if like I'm okay with ha- not having an mm-hmm. answer or mm-hmm. um, and I get to apply meaning to every piece of that. And so I tend to try and um, choose meaning that gives me more pe- <laughs> peace <laughs> um, than, than suffering because sometimes there isn't an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you alluded to, there's things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And can I also be okay with, with that? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're talking about choice a lot here. And I mm-hmm. love that because that's really what a lot of this work comes down to, right? Is one's ability to choose. Mm-hmm. You work with high performers, you work with people that, you know, generally probably come from some pain, come from some challenges come from these these aspects of of life that we don't always like to look at. Mm. And a lot of times we can identify with those parts of our being and, and really live from those parts of our being. You know, how how do you support people or how do you personally, because you also live this, really come into the power of choice and and taking radical ownership? What's that conversation like for you? Mm. 
Yeah, I think what you're talking about is is sovereignty, right? Um, yes. The hallmark of trauma is choicelessness. Um, and so there are things anyone listening can relate to, that, like where you grow up, what family you're born into, uh, what area code, what school you go to, some of those things you didn't choose, right? Um, and I believe that in healing, finding our voice, finding the truth of who we are, and like finding our our own path and creating the futures and the results that we want for ourselves requires us to reclaim our sovereignty, which is our, our ability to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me personally, it's looked like recognizing that I have a choice at all. Um, there was a specific moment in my life where that awareness came to me. And um, it was after my my sister, who's four years older than me, was diagnosed with leukemia. And it was the day that we found out that she was ill and cancer, that word, you know, enters the picture and our family sitting around the table before she goes to the hospital. And my dad looks at us and he's like, we have two choices, hope or despair. Oof. And we're going to choose hope. And it was the first time I realized that I had a choice in the way I was going to perceive this experience and circumstance. And if we chose despair, it was like, what is the alternative? It was like, what is the alternative if I don't choose hope? To see the good, to look for the holy in the shit. Mm-hmm. The alternative is a dark place to be, right? And so I cling to hope in the midst of adversity and darkness and challenge because when you're faced with something that is really, really hard and you're trying to navigate and get out of it because you can be a high performer, (laughs) you know, and Maybe you have a miscarriage or your kid gets ill or you, you have to take care of, a, you know, your parents or or there's something that you didn't anticipate coming down the road and it's about how you handle it. And so that choice of like I get to perceive, like choose how I'm going to perceive this situation mm-hmm. changed everything for me. Um, and that's what I where we start, I think with with my clients and with myself is like what is my current outlook on the circumstances in my life and what's the story i'm telling about them Mm. and how does that make me feel and is there a a different perspective that i can choose or different path that i can choose something i can choose to do right now that would help me or make me feel just one percent better one bring me one percent um closer to connection or to love or to to safety mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that you have a choice is the thing that's going to like set you on a path to actually create the results in your life that you want. And these are heavy scenarios mm-hmm. in moments like this in you know, the miscarriage, the mm-hmm. loss of somebody you love, something similar. Sure. How do you hold hope and feel grief? Mm. That's a good question. I think it comes down to recognizing that both things can coexist. Mm -hmm. 
I think we tend to think about things in a like singular in a singular way, meaning like if I'm feeling grief, then I can't also hold something else. Yeah. And I, I was that way. I didn't mm-hmm. know until I started to practice things like meditation and breath work that both, I could hold both experiences simultaneously, that I can have grace and compassion for somebody that's betrayed me and be pissed off about it, mm-hmm. right? And angry and rageful about it. Um, and in that allowing of both to be there, you don't reject or abandon what's true for you because they're both true simultaneously um, that I can find um, a reason to be hopeful. I can look for it because I will always find evidence for the story that I choose to believe. Mm -hmm. And um, I can allow myself to be human Mm -hmm. and to have the full spectrum of experience and emotion and feeling one, feeling both is what like allows me to be the fullest expression of who I am. Mm. I think judging one or the other that it has to be one way is limiting, um, really limiting what's true. And I I just continue to seek like what's true for me. Like I'm pissed and I'm angry Mm -hmm. and simultaneously I'm gonna cling to hope that there's a silver lining and I'm gonna go out and every day look for it and look for evidence yeah. that that's true. Well, I ask about the hope and grief because I've been through some things recently, mm-hmm. uh, some massive shifts around people that I love and care about. And hope is an easy one for me to hold mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. And some it can be the opposite for many people, but personally I can hold that. But when it comes to grief, I'm like, grief isn't sexy. It's mm-hmm. not, is it, does it even serve? And so these stories come up around it. Mm-hmm. And I know for other people as well, feeling grief can feel like something that either a waste of time or no, we need to stay positive during these circumstances. And I love what you're saying because it's so true. It's not only just helpful, it's necessary. Because when we avoid the thing that we know we're all feeling, the truth beneath it all, and we're covering it up with positivity and like, no, it's going to be okay, you're fine. But, you know, we're crying in the bathroom or holding these things and not sharing the true grief. Yeah. That's what needs to be felt. That was me. That was my story. I mean, I was yeah. the girl that everybody was like, you're, you're so strong. And like, how are you getting through this? And like, you managed to still yeah. like excel and perform. And and I, uh, well, there was definitely parts of my life where I was completely compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. And I knew, oh, well, continue to achieve and continue to get a- a- like accomplishments and accolades and recognition makes me feel good. And it makes me forget about all the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it will help me to feel better and not have to deal with this pain I'm unwilling to feel. And it was a distraction. Mm-hmm. And it was a way that I avoided my grief and my pain. And so I was the girl that was like, Tori, how are you? And I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then a coach told me one day, she was like, Tori, you know, every time you say you're fine, it's like lit, right? You redefine that for people. It's yeah. feelings internally not expressed. Yeah. So she's like, every Ooh. time I say Ooh. I'm fine, <laughs> Damn, how that's I, a hit. right? How yeah. many times yeah. am I using that as a mask to not actually share what's true for me? Mm-hmm. And now here's the thing. There were times I wouldn't share for multiple reasons. One, I don't trust you, mm-hmm. right? You haven't earned the right to know because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't have to be transparent for the sake of being transparent. Like their trust and 
is built over time. Um, or maybe it's an avoidance strategy because I don't, or this is going to take longer than I have <laughs> to sit down and actually tell you what's going on mm. in my life. So maybe it's for that sake, you know, there's, but it really requires you to check in with yourself and be like, why am I saying this? Is it because I'm fine or is it because I don't actually want to go into the thing that I'm unwilling to, to acknowledge? And I really believe that we can't heal what we're unwilling to feel. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to be free and I wanted to feel all the good feelings, honestly, like to the extent that I repress my quote unquote negative emotions, I'm also muting and diluting the beautiful bliss, the pleasure, the joy. Mm -hmm. um, and so it required me to invite it all in and allow it all to be, mm -hmm. it, be there. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, of, you know, the, the only way out is through, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's so true with emotion. It's gotta be felt. It really, truly, truly, truly does. And, and, you know, I love how you're talking about this because it, it requires an individual to not identify with their emotion and to really just observe the emotion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love how Thich Nhat Hanh always talks about being in an emotion or experiencing an emotion, never being the emotion, you know? So, it, you know, really what I'm taking from what you're saying here is, is there's this really powerful ability for individuals to feel grief and also, you know, feel joy or, or, or be successful, feel momentum, whatever, as long as they don't identify mm -hmm. with either of those pieces, because then they're just energy mo moving. Right. Right. So I, I love that so much. Well, she, yeah, go I was ahead. just going to say to that point, if we understand that emotion is energy in motion, um, then we understand that this too shall pass. Yeah, exactly. Which I have it tatted right here because yeah. it's like, that's my reminder to feel both. Yeah. Like, or you're like, how do you hold both? It's because both are temporary. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah. you're in the experience of it for the moment. And then like a wave, it just gets to move. Um, this is, yeah. this makes me want to bring up something I've heard you say before, which is a saying that is known all around the world. And that is time heals all wounds. <laughs> right. So on this theme of like, you know, this too shall pass and, mm -hmm. it, and things moving and everything is temporary, but time heals all wounds seems to be something you're like, nah, mm. I don't like that one. Is that still true to you? Or is that something that you're like, it's not true? Mm. I think it's a, I think it's, an easy catchphrase that we tell people to make them feel better yeah. in the moment, you uh -huh. know, because we are at a loss for what to really say or how to really meet someone in their pain. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a nice, it's a nice like way to kind of feel like you're empathizing with somebody and connecting with somebody, but really it's kind of surface deep. Um, in my experience, time doesn't, heal mm -hmm. all wounds that's just my Same. experience yeah. <laughs> I, agree. I take them wherever i go wherever you like wherever you go there you are right and mm -hmm. you take all of that emotional baggage and wounding and trauma with you if you don't unpack it and um and so yeah i think time is a necessary component i don't think we heal overnight we don't become wound you know it's like we don't get here overnight either it's time is required um at times but I don't think we can lean on that as our hope for healing and 
being saved from the pain that we so wish would like kind of just go away. Um, yeah. It requires you to do the work. Yeah. yeah and the work is feeling. <laughs> yeah. I, t I totally, I, I, I hate that term. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's like, it, it encourages suppression. It does. Yeah. It's, it's like, wait. no, it's like, yeah. wait it out. <laughs> nah, nah, it's not going to work. It's just going to go deeper and deeper into that big toe and mm. be more and more forgotten, but still very alive in the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Let's keep hate. Let's just hate on that right now <laughs> for a bit. Let's just keep talking shit about it, you know? <laughs> Get it a tattoo and then cross it <laughs> yeah. out. Yes. And cross that All out. Yeah, that, that'd be great. That'd, be that'd great. feel really good. Yeah, yeah good idea, Ryan. Yeah, keep it. <laughs> so so shifting, shifting gears really quick to your present state mm -hmm. because it, it seems like you have really transitioned out of that. You know, yeah. we, we, we speak to you, we feel you, you're, you're, you're an embodied woman. You, you obviously play in both of those worlds still, mm. and you're realizing a high level of success. And, you know, there's still, I'm sure shit that comes up in your life. So, sure. so how do you navigate that with, with the speed that you're going mm -hmm. and ultimately, you know, the organic nature of your being. Yeah. I mean, like we've said, this is an ever evolving process. I'm not complete or done or whole and mm -hmm. uh, by any means, but I've definitely done some, some pretty extensive work on re um, not identifying with my trauma or my pain or my past and the ways in which I actually use that as a prop to feel, um, feel justified in my um, kind of uh, position and perspective towards life. I There was a lot of parts of me that I had to unlearn around um, that like life had to be hard and it had mm -hmm. to, to, in order to be successful, I had to suffer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was going to require, uh, yes, work, but work in a different way than I'd ever um, kind of identified before. So, so my, um, the way in which I orient to my emotions is very different now, um, especially as I continue to do the work on myself, but like have outward success in, in the work that I do. Um, so I have a much better approach to attuning to what's true for me in the moment mm -hmm. and knowing what I need and how to meet my needs um, and how to ask my for my needs to be met so that I don't have so much downtime where I'm not like burnt out and I'm not just completely like, like I'm able to increase my capacity to hold mm -hmm. more. Um, and that's sometimes looks like doing things that in the past I would have judged as not uh, not productive or not um, progressive, not something that's actually going to help me attain some goal, like play, like pleasure, like prioritizing feeling good. I used to prioritize, uh, like I used to identify so much with pain. Mm -hmm. um, and that has definitely been a shift for me, realizing that in order to be play offense and to actually play to win and not just like play to protect myself, and play not to lose and have one foot on like in the back uh, trying to like support me. It's like, how do I go full on for what I want towards my goals and like actually run? And that has required me to cut, you know, this uh, parachute that was like slowing me down, which was like this need to suffer. Mm. 
um, and the need for everything to be hard and challenging all the time. And now it's like this whole different approach to to life and success and work mm-hmm. and, and prioritizing the the enjoyment of the work yeah. and not the the pain of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to get into pleasure and play. I'm yeah. so I ready. See, right? like, he's, just, <laughs> he's just smiling. He's just, he's just creeping up. But before that, uh, I'm super curious about how you personally check in with, because mm-hmm. you said what I need, what yeah. I want, maybe what you desire. How do you check in with that? Especially mm-hmm. as as a woman and somebody who has natural cycles and somebody who has, you know, seasons yeah. of life. And every month you literally have, you know, different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you check in with that as somebody who maybe has a schedule that's consistent or, you know, creating space and really checking in of like, this is what I truly need, mm-hmm. want and desire? Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 literally every day and I started to give them a try because I realized that in order to be the real champion of my life, I've got to take care of my body. It's truly an absolute non-negotiable. I drink AG1 in the morning before I start my day and it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body as a positive first action and habit of my day. Because I've realized that one small thing that I do is the quickest way that I can create lasting change in my life. I think about it like this. My choices, my actions, they matter. So I think of drinking AG1 as a choice. It's like a vote for the person that I want to become. Someone who's balanced, vibrant, healthy, full of energy. And that's why I love AG1. It tastes so great and gives me everything that I need to feel my best. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash coachable. That's drinkag1.com slash coachable. Check them out today. It's actually required me to do uh, a little bit of the opposite. So I used to be very rigid and structured and it's like it has to look a certain way every single day. And like I have to have this perfect routine and I get up at a certain time and then I spend time outside and then I do breath work and meditation and write and all Mm -hmm. the things. And I require – like I – realize that I actually put this pressure on myself that was unnecessary to check all these boxes. Mm-hmm. And so part of the checking in with myself has required me to kind of get rid of that and actually create more spaciousness and freedom to really feel like actually what's true and alive for me in the morning, specifically when I get up instead and listening to my body and listening to what do I need now, whether that's, and really that requires me getting out of bed making my bed, getting outside immediately um, and getting, feeling the sun on my face, putting my feet in the grass and then orienting my day and my schedule around that. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm, I've got a calendar of things that I have yeah. to do, but I really make sure that I've got the spaciousness in the morning to see what do I have the energy for and like what does my body want to do today? Because it used to be like, I've got to be at an Orange Theory class or a CrossFit workout or in Hot Works or whatever it is, and it's very regimented. Mm-hmm. And now, so part of ch- attuning to what I need is actually allowing myself to not do what I thought was expected every day. Yeah, it's yeah. that feminine. Yeah. But that is something that I'm curious. It doesn't seem like it came naturally to you. <laughs> How did you transition from being like high performance, mm-hmm. get shit done, like the masculine framework, even of like routines mm-hmm. and things like, oh, meditation, but it needs to be 15 minutes on the dot. Then the, 
and it's actually not serving at some point. Mm -hmm. How did you transition into like that sense of freedom in your mornings? Because lots of people are still in the sure. kind of masculine framework of moving through the day and want that transition. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it was this attachment to thinking there's only one, there's one right way to do it. Yeah. Right. And um, what I've found is my trying to fit into someone else's box or way of doing things actually is is the opposite of productive. <laughs> if I actually want to be productive, I need to do what works for me. Yeah, instead of pigeonholing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so part of it was taking away the my judgment mm. of the way that I thought the right way to do it was, mm. um, and realize that the right way is my way, and mm. I get to design that and create that. And it it required me to say like, what does feeling good look like? How do I know when I feel good? How, what makes me feel good? What are the types of things, practices that do? And then here's your permission slip, Tori. Literally write a permission slip to yourself if you need to. It's like, this is top priority. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this mm -hmm. supersedes everything else on your to-do list. Because if you're doing it from a place of have to, should, need to, like pressure, then I already am in resistance to that thing. So for me, it's about how do I remove the resistance and the tension that's in the way? And sometimes that, and that's this feminine allowing for me to change my mind or for it to look different today than it looked yesterday. Um, and that permission has unlocked a lot for me because it finally feels like I'm living for myself. You trust yourself. Yeah, too. that for myself, what what I need, whereas mm -hmm. I was trying to be this like packaged, perfect version so that I could be labeled as good. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. So I want to talk about space for a second. Uh -huh. Because I, I know a lot of people struggle with this, especially people with packed schedules. And they hear this term space. Mm -hmm. They've got the two businesses. They've got the three kids. They've got all of these things rolling. Are there some 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 applicable ways that you create space that you could share? Whether it's you know I don't know turning off, not touching your phone mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time, or mm -hmm. you know time blocking this space. Like, how do you actually make space a like an application in your life? Yeah. Couple things. One, I have support because so I have a team. Yeah. Um, yes. looking at her right now, I've needed. I can't do it all. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the first thing. It's like I know I can't be all things to all people. I can't do it all, so I've had to build a team of support and structures and in, in place, so I can delegate and so that there are things that I can like that I can have sovereignty of choice and be really responsible for what I say yes to and what I say no to. Mm -hmm. Um, this week, for instance, is crazy for us. Mm -hmm. And I know that, and we've got back-to-back -back mm -hmm. podcasts. We've got a festival coming up, speaking engagement, clients in the middle of it, multiple dinners, socializing, mm -hmm. all of the things, right? And as a priority, we blocked a day. We have time blocked off on our schedule for dropping in to the creative space and the feminine space and just like the – like being more of the visionary in my business and for my life and and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's necessary. It's like I can't every day isn't me just running off to the races and it's mm -hmm. like 
that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So having a support team, having people um, that support me in managing my my calendar, and um, really being responsible for the things I say yes and no to. Like everything I say yes to, I'm saying no to a million other yep. things. Mm-hmm. And so one of my highest values is presence. So if I'm going to be present, because I believe that like one of our best things as high performers is to be adaptable, like continuing to have this adaptable energy to be in the new now, to be in the new now for what does the now call for right now? And it might mean a changing of schedules or something needs to happen. The deadline is has changed or whatever. And for me to be able to adapt to that requires me to be present to what's needed in the moment. Um, so if I value presence and being able to be fully here, then I also need to allow myself to like tune out all of the noise. Because if I've got a laundry list of things I'm like thinking I have to do after this, I've missed the whole moment of being here. Like there's no point. I've I've actually like prohibited myself on some level of receiving and giving and contributing in the way that I really want to. Um, so I believe that like, I need to be where I am in the moment for me to actually get the juice out of the squeeze. Why am I doing the thing I'm doing Mm -hmm. at all? Like the whole point is for me is for connection. And if I'm actually onto the next thing, then I've like, I've missed the point altogether. Mm -hmm. So having someone block my schedule, knowing and waking up and listening to what do I need and giving myself the permission to do it. Um, And then being, being super present to where I am, it gives me the energy to then show up for the next now and the next moment and what the next thing calls for. Because if I'm on E, if I'm depleted, if I'm burnt out, I have nothing to give, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I've also had to rearrange my expectations. I mean, that's really real. Like I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do it all. And why, if I, if I think I need to do it all, what belief do I have that tells me that that's who I need to be in order to be successful? Like, is that actually true? Mm. I have to be everywhere always all at once. (laughs) Right. Um, so it's always this constant reevaluation of why are we doing the things that we're doing? She helps me to come back to this. It's like, what's our intention here? Mm -hmm. Like really, what's the intention for showing up to this thing? Mm. And is that in alignment with with who we're wanting to be and what we're wanting to create? And if no, it's yeah. it's a no mm. for us. Remembering the why. Yeah. That's so important. Mm. So let's get into it. <laughs> when, <laughs> when it comes to these you just hair flip it. Mm. When it comes to these areas of trauma, high performance, even business owners. Mm-hmm. The ideas and topics of pleasure and play <laughs> aren't usually talked about. Right. And it's usually a separate thing and it's not seen that it fits in, in those classes mm-hmm. or it's important by any means, usually. For you mm-hmm. and for what you do, and from what I'm hearing recently coming into in the past year and a bit, how has pleasure and play come into your life and started exciting you and made you realize that it fits into these pieces of work? Yeah. 
Um, you know, when I moved out to Vegas, there's so much that you can find here. There's a lot of play uh, and pleasure happening. It's like the, all the, the dark and the light on every, oh, like, yeah. all yeah. the full spectrum is available to you here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got here, I was kind of hit in the face with all the options. Um, nails. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's great. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want to explore? It's available. Um, and immediately when I got here, I got connected with a couple people who remind me of you a bit because okay. it's like their essence mm-hmm. is very playful and childlike, mm-hmm. and they're they're um, spontaneity and adventure. They could take the most mundane thing and turn it into fun. And I realized by being around them. Um, how much internally I felt like a wet blanket. (laughs) And um, I even remember saying, like, but I was so drawn to it um, because there was something for me to learn from them for sure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why am I so attracted to this? Um, Everything, even going to the store feels like uh, an adventure and like, I don't know who I'm going to meet and I can't wait to see what like unfolds and how can I turn this into a game and mm-hmm. turn this into something that w- I would have experienced as stressful or boring or mundane and turn it into something light and exciting. And mm-hmm. so just being in proximity with people like that showed me contrast to where that wasn't alive in me at all. And, um, and so I started to to give myself permission to do things I'd never done before. This is something I'm still very much exploring and I Amazing. consider myself kind of elementary and a baby in, but it's, um, it really feels like my primary work right now of really deepening into the feminine and, and releasing more places of judgment and limitation on myself. But it looked like, I had never been to a music festival before. I'd never Ooh. like experimented with a lot like psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I'd never uh in terms of like um just like my my sex life. It's like mm-hmm. how can I actually bring more presence into all of these aspects of my life? And what it showed me sadly was like I was very disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I was very shut down and I was afraid I was afraid to experience pleasure and to have fun and to feel good because I was afraid it would be taken from me. And so I got to in the exploration of opening up into these spaces and finding safety in pleasure and feeling good. I realized I also needed to grieve the parts of me that never felt safe enough to do that. Um, But it also created this whole new world like life was like this is a playground for you to explore and have fun and every day it's like I have to check in with myself around where am I judging myself and first of all where am I judging everybody else around me whereas like that's the place that's too far you've taken it too far that's too much right um and when I say that it's like what about that scares me Mm -hmm. Love that so much. And and Ryan and I talk about this a lot because there's this, it's almost like living two lives in a sense, the way that society's put it together, mm-hmm. where it's like you have this side of you that's the wild man, then you have, or wild woman, and you have this side of you that's, you know, the public image. And, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, society hasn't gotten to a place yet where we accept both, both. in the same expression. Right. And, you know, Ryan and I talk about this a lot because 
we hold really deep space, mm-hmm. really deep space. And we pride ourselves on, on our ability to do so, but we're also goofy as fuck. As like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but, but they're not, they don't. They're not separate. They're not separate. And, and I, I honestly believe that the ability to hold so deep is because there's the outlet for the goofiness. There's the outlet for the play. There's the outlet for, for really being vulnerable and, and talking about, our edges, you know, Ryan, Ryan's invited me into ridiculous edges. Like what? Yeah. Please <laughs> like tell what? me. So on one of our episodes, Ryan, Ryan for my birthday, was it a birthday? Yeah. Or was it just a, it was it's one whatever. of my birthdays yeah. last year. Important. <laughs> he, he gave me a, a P-spot wand. And he's like, he gave it to me on the episode. Okay. And so he puts this, this, this really floofy, flurfy, flurfy, flurfy <laughs> package on the table. And he's like, I got you something. And I open it and it's this glass wand. And I'm like, what was this for? Is this sculpture? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's like, it's a sculpture for your butt. Yeah. And so I, so, so he invited me into this wild edge and it, it's just, it's such a gift in a sense because a part of me there's like that 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 still unintegrated toxic masculinity mm-hmm. was like no like I can't do this and and it took me a very long time and we've done an episode <laughs> on an update that we haven't launched yet but it took me a very long time to lean into that and right. so finding these edges and and moving through them while still never compromising reverence and depth mm-hmm. is something that we're really passionate about Mm -hmm. and so to hear you explain this and to hear you exploring these different realms is is beautiful because we we got to normalize these topics right the fact that we can't like the fact that sex is still so taboo yeah and when you talk about it at, at an event or you're at a dinner even in some of the deepest spaces i've been in i've talked about certain things and people are like it fritzes them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yo, we're we're on this exploratory path. Like you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for <laughs> right, sex. Right. Yeah. So like, why don't we talk about how to make it better? And Let, more let's enjoyable. explore, but just not this topic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anything but that was That's weird, off limits. You know? And yeah. and I love how you said, you know, you 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 pay attention to the fear. Mm-hmm. Because it's that fear that 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 broadens us. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, it's our our firm belief that true embodiment is full spectrum. Right. Right. It's not that you're just better at channeling spirit. Can you also go play laser tag? You know what I mean? Like, yes. like it, it's that's embodiment in the expression of, of humanness. So yeah. I, I love what you're sharing about finding those edges because mm. we're really on a part of our mission is to is to normalize that and is to invite people in and to let them know it is safe. Right. Well, the thing that's things. that's the thing, right? That we've we've never had spaces created for us or environments that are safe and allowing for this type of expression and exploration has always been used in ways of shame and judgment and fear. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that was my experience of it. And so as I hear you guys talk about it and I see your banter and I see, but I also feel your presence and your the depth. Mm-hmm. It's what you said earlier, Ryan, it's, it's the substance and the play. I want both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't just want one or the other. And right? I, I realized I lived on one side of that pendulum mm-hmm. for a really long time. And it, there was also like a heaviness to it and like a density to it. And just felt like 
everything was so serious all the yeah. time. And I envied people like you. I, I was like, how can they? Uh, the, one of the judgments I had was like, oh, he must have not been through anything hard. In right. His life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right? If he'd been through something hard, he would know that life is hard mm -hmm. and it's not just this like fun time. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had to give up my belief about that, that like in order to be a whole wise integrated like woman that I had to be this like, like martyr, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I hear you guys talk about it and I'm like, that's still, those are still very real parts that I'm like actively trying to pursue and explore because, and yet even in this space, there aren't a ton of spaces where this is like, this is normal and practice. And it's like, let's create an environment and container where we can intentionally like move into those edges. And that's like, sign me up because how can I sit here and talk to people and ask people to do something I'm unwilling to do myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the duality part of it, right? That's what you're talking about, the play and the reference. Yeah. It's the same things we were saying before mm -hmm. with feeling of like the things that come up that can be heavier situations, wherever we were saying hope and mm -hmm. grief. It's like, it's the same, like we have to feel it all. And yeah. you know, in that scenario, like, oh, hope and grief, I can feel simultaneously. But then this is like, oh, here's a new exploration. Here mm -hmm. we go. So to talk about sex, right? Mm -hmm. I have this belief that with sex specifically and with pleasure, the more we can feel and the greater it is, the more abundance that comes into our life. Mm -hmm. I feel there is no difference between good sex and money coming in. <laughs> Seriously, like if yeah. you want to look at it like that, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I see that sex as like, magic, <laughs> baby. Sex Let's magic. go. Even like in manifestation through sex, we did a whole thing. What do we call it? Masturbation manifestation. Masturbation manifestation. Nice. So even like, so sex is, you know, seems like it's with a partner, but it could be. Sure. self-pleasure practices it could be these things i'm curious for you mm -hmm. to talk about sex yeah where it's you know something that we can go into and you're somebody who's a high performer and somebody who trains people in high performance mm -hmm. and works with people at a high level do you notice when you start to open up sexually in your life or maybe in your self-pleasure practices that then it's replicated in some other area of life bringing in more of mm -hmm. something else mm -hmm. absolutely experience absolutely yes um so i actually just had emily fletcher on my show i don't know if you know emily yeah. um but she we we just had a whole conversation about this topic about sex magic because she started something called ziva meditation she was talking about mindfulness meditation and manifestation but she was mm -hmm. like when i encountered sex magic it was like the same thing i was like why isn't everyone doing this that was yeah. like her whole point and so this is a whole new phenomenon for me, but but what I'm learning is it's really about the capacity to hold, uh, like as I allow myself to be so deeply present with the pleasure and the feeling, mm -hmm. this, this like high vibrational feeling and bringing with that my intention or my desire and holding that in the forefront of my mind, like it allows, it just like blows the doors of possibility open in my life yeah. where it's like this, whether it's this actual physical release of energy yeah. <laughs> um, or and that's seen in like my pleasure practices or just in my business, there's like the doors of abundance just get mm -hmm. wide open because I'm able to my depth of a capacity to hold it is greater. Yeah. So as a woman, 
you have this different experience than Cam and I, obviously. Sure. You have to open up mm-hmm. and receive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam has his wand, sure. Surrender, <laughs> yeah. You know, you have, yeah. I do too. We the same one. You got a matching one. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you have this ability to really, when it comes to your sex magic, mm-hmm. like you are opening mm-hmm. up to the universe mm-hmm. or to the person or mm-hmm. to yourself and your self pleasure. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that, that kind of openness? You're, you know, the door's opening is what your yeah. analogy was. Well, it's true. Your door's opening, right? It's like you actually opening up to the world and to surrender. Yeah, the surrender piece is so big because it's like I get to practice the the letting go mm-hmm. and the release of falling into what is what's available to me right now and trusting that I'm going to be held in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um that I don't have to do. I don't have to force. Mm-hmm. I don't have to to like effort. You get to soften. I get to soften yeah. and receive. And yeah. in that receiving, I just receive more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but that's not available um, and wasn't available to me for a long time because of fear and stigma and shame and, um, and frankly, just lack of understanding and knowledge and experience and you don't know what you don't know you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I wish someone would have sat down with me one day (laughs) when I was younger and be like Tori God gave you this fucking body use it enjoy it explore it like Mm -hmm. no I learned about sex just like everybody else like through porn and conversations (laughs) in school and like and we get hyper like fixated on stuff that's not real and then we don't know how to be with ourselves Mm -hmm. and so all of this is about learning how to be with what is Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and every moment allows me to like soften into what's true what's true right now what and and notice where am i tight where am i tense where am i constricted where am i holding on to some like pattern or fear or like my inability to let go um and as i do that physically that is like mirrored in the energetic um and like emotional and all the worlds like I might be fucking crying, you know, because I have this crazy release and it's just like, now I'm lighter. I'm lighter and freer. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're connected to creative energy in the most powerful, right? Exactly. And I, you know, I, I come up with this a lot with, with, cause it's funny how many high performers or, you know, successful individuals don't like talking about sex. Mm -hmm. Like the moment you start talking about, Hey, you know, your sexual life is connected to actually how far you can push this oh, thing. No, 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 They're no, like, no, 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 my sex life's good. And it's it's like, really, is it? And you start asking questions mm-hmm. and they freeze up. Mm-hmm. But there's power there. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, and I won't go down the rabbit hole of, of conspiracy or anything, but like the fact that sexuality was shut off by religion so much generally shows something. Usually things that were burnt mm-hmm. or shut out or, you know, demonized. Mm-hmm were the most powerful things. Yep. And and I I I really love this because it's that needs to be normalized. I even know for myself, I considered myself a very sexual being for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Then I started exploring the realm of Tantra and I went, I don't know shit. Mm. I was like, I don't know anything. Yeah. And when I started practicing, I 
what? Like, it was, it was, I was speechless Mm -hmm. because of how much it brought to my life and how much power came through me, how much softness, but confidence and and all of these things. And and also how much left, Mm. right? There's so much of our trauma gets stored up in our sexuality, especially if there's sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. But even if there's not, where does it go? Our root, Mm -hmm. our root chakra, Mm -hmm. it holds it all, Mm -hmm. right? The perineum, the sexual organs, everything. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to dive into these, but I know it can be very confronting. Mm -hmm. It can be so scary for people. Yeah. Well, I always pay attention to what sparks my curiosity, Mm -hmm. right? Always. Tantra is not something I've explored, but it's always been something I'm curious about. And so it's It's interesting that that's resurfacing because there's something that's like, (laughs) come here. Um, So I'm curious, what has exploring Tantra taught you? How has your relationship to sex in your own body like changed? What's like been your biggest takeaway? Mm, Good question. Hmm. That it can feel that good. You know, and I, I think for me that that's been my biggest realization is, you know, we always talk about, you know, and in manifestation, you have to, you have to bring really heightened levels of emotion into your body. And I thought that I knew, you know, what felt good for a very long time. And I was so brutally wrong, mm-hmm. so brutally wrong. Connecting with the breath, connecting with energy bodies, mm-hmm. connecting with touch connecting with play, connecting with intentionality, creating space around pleasure Mm -hmm. for myself as a man and with my partner changes the game. And it opened up this realm of, of, of how good it can feel. Because, you know, as a man, most of our programming is, you know, fucker hard, come, that's it. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what porn teaches you. It's like, go, 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 go. And it, that's like the most basic yeah. functionality of our, of, of our sexual energy. Like that's, a, that's like the scientific, like impregnate to survive. Right. But then when you go deeper into the pleasure of it, you start to realize that it's, it's this doorway, this doorway that like you can start to hold more heightened emotions, more feeling, more juiciness. And, and I saw how it started transitioning into my friendships. It started transitioning into my surfing, my mountaineering, my fitness, like, like moving energy in the gym and being like, Oh, you know, like it just, it started filling every cell of my body. And so it, it, it made life juicier across the whole spectrum and taught me really, truly how good things can feel. And I'm still, you know, I'm only like a year or two into this world and it's, it's just like, it's a whole new world mm. in there. And, it, and, and it just, it's like, it's the gift that just doesn't stop giving mm. <laughs> really truly is. It's like the wand. Yeah. It's the same. Thing. Honest, honest. And it, you know, we, <laughs> we joke about the wand a it's lot. That was one of the most healing experiences of my life yeah. was mm. going into that space because not only did I carry so much baggage about homosexuality and you know so much baggage around you know what a what a tough guy is supposed to do like it broke down so many barriers that i thought i had moved through mm. right i i was like i've done so much work i've been on this path i'm doing all these things and then i went into that and i was like mm. yeah 
that's still there? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it just opened up a whole world. It's so easy to talk about these things. Right? Yeah. It's another thing to experience them. Yes. All together. And I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. We all are. <laughs> I'm so guilty yeah. of it. And why I think this is important though, is like I hear you and like even just being in proximity to it, not even having the experience, I borrow, like I, life becomes a little bit more vibrant. Right. Mm -hmm. When you even realize that that's possible and then you hear, you have context or you get a reference point from someone else and you like, again, you take the lid off of the the container (coughs) and you're like, oh, actually, no, there's, you can just have more, Mm -hmm. more, 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 like more life. Yeah. More pleasure and you don't have to like put a cap on it. Mm-hmm. And that I think is just, that's still something I'm like learning to accept that it could yeah. get, be that good. That one of the affirmations I have right now is just like life just keeps getting better and better mm-hmm. and better and better mm-hmm. and better. <laughs> it's so beautiful because it's often that we think we have to do more mm-hmm. to then feel more or for things to feel better but you don't have to do more yeah. to feel more pleasure. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, which I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm curious. Mm. You said I did all these things and I was moving through life and yada, yada, yada to be good. Mm-hmm. There's an archetype of the good girl. Yeah. Do you identify with that in further the past mm-hmm. or maybe still oh, yeah. moving through that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm good at being a good girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and was for a really long time. I was a straight A student. I was the MVP. Mm-hmm. I was the I was your the epitome of that archetype for sure. And I think even as like I got older, uh, and I was trying to find my own way in my like spiritual life. Um come I kind of left the church and was redefining what who God was to me, what my spiritual life looked like, all of that, unlearning all of the shame around my sexuality. Mm -hmm. So so it started, I remember, with my pleasure practice as being the first, like, fuck you to all of the people that told me that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. And over time, it's just been, like, picking up more and more and more of those things. It's, like, this rebellious part of me Mm -hmm. that wants to come out that's actually the true, like, more of the truest expression of who I am instead of who I learned I needed to be. Yeah. Mm. And that is, that's probably what's most alive for me right now is the reorienting to um, the truth of like, this good girl has been like a safe place to be because it kept me like loved and praised and all of those things, but it was not, real it wasn't real what's the opposite of a good girl for you what are you stepping into the wild woman the wild woman yeah Yeah. it's such a common story you hear especially for women that come from either religious backgrounds or any backgrounds where maybe there was some Mm -hmm. strict Mm -hmm. holdings and that's it's so common especially in the states and these areas that they feel like they have to do more to receive more Mm -hmm. and it's the exact opposite many times most times we're talking about surrender like softening 
is one of the most powerful things you can do as a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's such a gift to see or receive as a man, or even just for yourself, not mm -hmm. even for a man, but right. for yourself to soften yeah. and to know that that is enough. Mm -hmm. And that's actually greater than anything you could do mm -hmm. is to just receive, yeah. to be. Like, that's such a superpower and a gift. But when coming from the archetype of the good girl, oh, fuck, that's the last thing you think you deserve mm -hmm. or can do. Mm -hmm. How do you, because you're saying it's a lie for you right now. Yeah. How are you moving through that in different ways now? Yeah. Um, yeah, play has become a much higher priority on my list for mm -hmm. sure. It really has. And um, I... I have these conversations, you know, it, this is something Nikki and I have started to talk about um, and finding women who are also in similar positions. I think that even as talking about the, the good girl persona and transitioning to the wild woman, there's like this, the true maturation of a woman. It's like, what does it really mean to mature into who, like who you are? Yeah. Um, and the disillusion, like the part of me that thought that I needed to be a certain way. I have so much like love for her. And there's also still a lot of sadness there because, yeah. She's missed out on a lot, you know? Yeah. And... I want her to feel free to be all that she is. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is so timely and so necessary because it, it feels um, like something I've been sort of exploring on my own and it's felt sort of lonely. And I haven't found like I had a community where this was normalized and like part of the work. It's just, it's always been something out there mm -hmm. that I didn't know how to get to, you mm -hmm. know, and there's never been a path to reconnecting with myself in that way that was like felt like, okay, this is the next, how do you do this? Like you talk about it, it's like, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like practically in your life? And, um, and so I think what's, if I'm just being honest, like this is, um, just this conversation is a reigniting of that part of me that mm. wants to come forward and wants to be more awakened and alive and um, allowed to be mm. all that she is. Yeah. And you got us now. I know. Yeah. yeah. You got us so now. thank We're you. Here. Yeah. It's so healing. It's so healing mm. to have that um, kind of reflected back that it's actually, I don't have to hold that space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have to be the, the, the doer, mm -hmm. um, which I'm so, and have been so um, accustomed to being a lot. And there's just so, such a deep part of me that wants uh, and needs to relax. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. All oh, that softening mm -hmm. is so mm -hmm. felt. Mm -hmm. And loving and appreciating her, mm -hmm. right? I think it's so often, we talked about it in many different ways, but these past selves are what we deem as negative. It's like, okay, I need to move through that. I need to get past that or that's, mm. it's gone. But to grieve it and to, mm. to feel that. Yeah. So thank you in real time, yeah. bringing that up and bringing that through and loving on her, mm. loving yeah. her up. I feel, I just, 
she's missed out on a lot. Yeah. So. And the the thing I always like to say in that space, and I know you know this already, but people go their whole lives without realizing it. Yeah. And you know, there's 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 so much. You know, there's so much. And I I was watching a, I can't remember if it was a if it was a documentary or whatnot, but it it was on. I think it was the happiness study where they had talked about a couple. There was a couple at like 96 years old. They interviewed, I think the the wife was 96, husband was 94, and they had just met like two years before that. <laughs> and they interviewed them and they were like, I thought I was going to go my whole life without finding real love. And they're like, nothing has brought me more joy than these two years with that person. Mm. And that is such a powerful reminder where life just happens how it's supposed to happen and we find what we're supposed to find when we're supposed to find it and uh you know if it wasn't for your awareness and wasn't for that little girl wasn't for everything you've been leaning into you would never have had this realization or it would have happened 20 30 40 50 years later and it still would have been beautiful yeah right so just a little yeah, right on time. Mm-hmm. Right on time. Exactly. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you for all of you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Truly. Yeah, thank you. Oh. I'm excited for her now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're, ex- we're excited. Oh, yeah. We're excited to watch her come to life. Wow. Yeah. Juicy. Mm. Juicy, Let's juicy. Go. We'll have to do a part two of this yeah, yeah. <laughs> like later. No, we will. We'll see what happens. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So have an update. Yeah, please. you just gave me a spiritual wand. And- that's <laughs> it. That's it. Tori's gonna be like, "I'm coming to Costa Rica." Yeah, Come on, yeah. Temple Switch Nights. Here we go. Tantra Bros. Exactly. Tantra. The Tantra Bros. Right. It keeps coming up. Ryan and I leave dinner last night. We're like, everyone keeps saying that. How come every time we tell someone, they're like, "You got to do that." There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason. So, so Tori, you're up to amazing things. You said you Thank wear you. a lot of hats. I do. How can people find you? Mm-hmm. What's the best place to connect with you? Give us the goods. Yeah. Um, best place to find me is ToriGordon.com. I'm also on social media, the Tori Gordon on TikTok and Instagram. And then um, I run a podcast called The Coachable Podcast. I have similar conversations mm-hmm. like this over there, uh, just trying to be honest about my journey as yes. best as I can yes. and take people along for the ride. Because I hope, if nothing else, that this just like reminds people that like we're all fucking human yes. and there we haven't arrived. And I haven't like this is like I said at the beginning, it's an ever evolving process. And I'm just like hoping to make it a little bit more. Yeah relatable for people mm-hmm. you know that they can see themselves in the stories that i tell and that we tell and that they can feel a little less alone um so that's where i am at that's my side of the internet so if you want to learn more you can go to torygordon.com thank you thank you yeah thank you appreciate you yeah love you guys thank you love you mm-hmm. and as always stay, stay lit, lit. <laughs>